that everyone would have done that or been so excited about being the mother of God. <laughs> it's not clear that, ever, and you know, she kind of had an inkling that it would not end well. So it's not something that everyone wants to do. And a lot of people are honest about like, I don't want to raise Jesus. I want to raise an accountant who keeps his head down and just kind of goes along to get along and maybe has kids themselves and just kind of keeps the line going without too much, um, uh, without too many problems, without causing too many problems. Even Daddy King was like, listen, Martin, you're just getting these mad, these guys upset. A lot of people think that, oh, oh, if I were a preacher at that time, I would definitely want Martin Luther King Jr. to come speak at my church. But, you know, for a lot of times, a lot of preachers did not want Martin Luther King speaking at their church because he was like, this Negro is going to get us killed. And it's not an accident that so many of the civil rights leaders were young because there's a way in which, one, they had not just less to lose, but, yeah, they didn't have families, right? So there's this idea that everybody wants to be around the brave person or be the brave person or to be responsible for the brave person, but that's just not the case. So why, why does this become a married pro, uh, the Mary problem that not everyone would want to be Mary? Well, being black in America is kind of like being Jesus. I'll say this again. Being black in America is kind of like being Jesus, not unlike being Jesus. And I say that because we have the capacity or we're, we're particularly poised to deliver the nation um, and redeem its sins. That's what Martin Luther King did. That's what Nat Turner tried to do. That's what Smalls tried to do. We are particularly poised to deliver the nation from itself. Um, open up the gates of heaven for all the sinners who've gone past and redeem generations. Um, and when I say redeem generations, you know, all of the, I said this before on, on, a, on a different Jim Crow show, that the Jim Crow regime not only said that you want, you want garbage, you weren't anything that mattered. It said your great, 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 great grandkids wouldn't be anything. And now that those great grandkids are starting to become, you know, born, they're not born. <laughs> they're not much, right? Because black people don't have much and the next generations are not getting better, right? So we need to, in order to redeem that, it's going to take a black person um, to, you know, save the nations from itself because Jim Crow's winning. The Jim Crow regime that said that black great grandfathers, their great grandkids wouldn't have anything that regime is realized because we look at those, those are the kids like, you know, who, aren't, who don't have much and aren't much and are subordinate, right? So if that's going to be redeemed, it's probably going to be redeemed by somebody black. And every black person who's born is a threat <laughs> just by seeing the truth. It's like a proto-revolutionary just because it's hard to ignore the truth. You need an amazing amount of institutions and tutelage to not see racial injustice or to pretend like it's not a serious issue, or to pretend that it's okay. Like that takes a distorted family, that takes a distorted church, that takes a distorted life. So what I'm saying is that we have to make choices in how we talk to our children and deal with our ch and have our children deal with race so that they do not become a revolutionary, or if they become a revolutionary, become one that have preferably doesn't die at 33. Um, uh, and so this is all a segue into, I was thinking about a friend who they, their marriage broke up because the couple did not agree with how to teach the kids about race. One of the, the father wanted like to create a, like, someone who understood that this is a war and you have to get what you need to get 
and there's no playing nice with these people. Or if you're playing nice with them, don't trust them in a pinch. And the other one's like, no, that'll just make them angry. The, the wife was like, no, 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 no. You just need to use them and kind of manipulate them. And like, if it'll be fine as long as you just kind of like work the system a little bit. And um, that, that led to the dissolution of their marriage. And there's a way in which that makes sense. At first, I was like, oh, that's, that's sad. But I don't know if that's something to end a marriage over. But yeah, they fought over it a lot of times, but you can't really have it both ways. People say like, oh no, you can have it both ways. But no, if you have it both ways, you're really just a sellout. <laughs> you can't, that's one, that's not freedom. Um, bowing and scraping is not freedom, but it will live a long life. And I'm sure Medgar Evers' kids would have appreciated actually like growing old, watching their dad grow old, right? I'm sure Martin Luther King Jr.'s kids would have appreciated watching their dad grow old also, correct? also and like there's a it's not a slim virtue in wanting your wanting your your children to survive and even be comfortable you can have a pretty comfortable life i've told people this many times you can be a very comfortable individual black person as long as you don't stand up for other black people <laughs> as long as you're not you're, you're going to stand up for the rights and dignities of other black people especially those who are set down the path of degradation as long as you don't stand up for them you could have an actual pretty comfortable life as a black person in the United States. If you want to throw other black people under the bus or pretend that they're all right, um, the whites will pay you for that. There's a lot of house Negro jobs, um, you know, in the United States. And as long as you're willing to treat other black people like garbage, we can find that there's a way in America for you. And there's a comfortable way. And as long as you're willing to unsee things, there's a comfortable way. As long as you're as long as if you get plucked for the gifted class, you can walk in, see you're with a bunch of white kids, see all the black kids are back in the regular class coloring, and you're here learning things, and be okay with that, and tell yourself, well, that's just kind of how it is. Um, you're going to be, there's a place in America for you. Now, if you start raising hell, it says like, look, you whites, you're not any smarter than those people, because I know them, and I know you, and... You're, you're, you're luckier <laughs> uh, for other reasons, but you're definitely not any smarter and you're definitely not like, as interesting or as relevant. Um, as soon as you start talking like that, that's when you know, the, the cross comes out for you. So they divorced over how to raise the kids. Are they going to raise the kids like, um, like there's a war going on and you got to get your cut and get your cut not only for yourself, but for your people? Or they, did they raise them as like to just kind of smile and kind of go along and fill out the role that is assigned to black people in the United States, which is often managing other black people under white supremacy, but not actually teaching black people how to fight the whites for their fair cut. Right. So they, and the, the, the couple divorced over that. And I thought that's kind of a bizarre thing to divorce until I thought of my own family and they kind of divorced over the same thing my, my parents did my dad you know he wanted to train me and my sister to be killers <laughs> like take everything get it like beat the whites at everything that you think is yours and um don't worry about their feelings don't worry about the repercussions just work harder and grind them to a like a pulp and that's how he was going. And my mom thought that, well, you know, that's kind of one, unsustainable. Two, there's no second place for that. Because what if you miss? If you miss, then you get the, the whole ire of the whites coming down on you. And that, that terrified her. Um, so she, to, a, to people who, are, who made their way, you can make a very comfortable way kind of 
not ticking off too many of the whites or, and pretending that we're all on the same team. For the people who've made a way that way, people like me sound scary. By the way, if you want me to keep talking like this, and I think you do and you should, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5.15 or $50 uh, a month because not everybody's going to tell you the truth. Um, not everyone's going to tell you the truth. And, and you don't get paid much telling people the truth or even speaking like this or announcing that this is actually something, a way we should speak with, uh, a, a way we should speak and um, that this is a real antagonism. And I think, okay, so if it happened to my family and if it happened to this family of the friend I met, I wonder if it's a thing and I suspect it's low-key a thing that part of the extra black tax is you have to negotiate with your partner about how whether you're going to take one of these two tacks. Are you going to train your kids to be killers or are you going to train your kids to be comfortable or and to seek comfort and enjoy comfort? Like, you could go pretty far. Like, look at any black Democrat you see. You can go pretty far, even Obama, just telling white people what they want to hear and smiling and crooning and managing, you know, more recalcitrant blacks. You could go pretty far in America that way, keeping your mouth uh uh, closed. Uh, no, I don't think that's freedom. And that, that's definitely not, that is a minority position. There's only, there's always going to be an Oprah, but there's always only going to be one or two. Like that's not, that, that, that position is not open for like a class, <laughs> like an entire group. That position is open for one of two people to manage and like break the will of the other group, of the, of the masses of the group. Right, like, like everyone can't be a Clarence Thomas. That's not how Clarence Thomas works. That's not how the system that needs at least one, two, um, but like not a majority because that's, yeah, that's just not how the system works. The system works that like one or two, one, two of those people like manage the rest of us. So, and depending on who you talk to, the HBCUs create these black managers. I'm just saying a lot of people get on my case about, you know, oh, you married a white woman, how dare you talk? And I'm like, look, I believe in integration. I just don't think black people should integrate on their knees. I think we integrate in power. And, um, you know, <laughs> you could say I married a white woman or did she marry me, right? So now they're like, now they're, now they're stuck with me in a way that's uh, a little bit uncomfortable. So... I also want to mention, I've also run into a few, because I, I swim in different circles. I've run into two people who got divorced and their husband, now two whites, two, two different, un, unsuspecting, two whites got divorced. And then something that came up in the court was that the husband worried that they were unfit because the wives cared about racial justice too much. Right? So that was a cudgel used to doubt the sanity of the, of, of the person who actually cared about racial justice. So this is a black and a white thing. Both people have to negotiate how do we deal with the steady subordination of the black masses. And if you don't go with the script, like they'll call you crazy. They'll call you crazy, try to take away your kids, call you unfit to be a parent because an American parent, because part of what it is to be an American parent is to teach your kids to kind of suck up to the whites or at least don't rile them too much. Don't rile them too much. Might be unfit parenting to be a rabble rouser. And some people say, well, you could have it. You could, you could have it both ways, but I'm not 
I'm not convinced you could have it both ways. I don't think you can, I just don't think you can be both like, all right, so these white guys got not just what's yours, but what's your communities. And uh, also like, you know, suck up to them. I think Booker T. Washington tried to have it both ways. And that is a, a complicated legacy that's never going to end in freedom because at the end of the day, in a pinch, the whites are going to take what they want and you will have ceded all of your claim and power um, in trying to accommodate them, thinking that in a pinch that it would be okay. But it, it's not going to be okay. Right? The contract's always going to go to their incompetent cousin. Right. You can say, well, okay, we'll get rid of affirmative action if you get rid of legacy admissions. And they'll say, well, you guys go first. And if you're an idiot, like, like Charlie Brown kicking Lucy with the football, you give up affirmative action and then find out that, well, you know, we were going to give up legacy admissions, but like, you know, it got complicated and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, like the whites always pick themselves in a pinch. And because it pays to. It pays a lot of money. And when they don't, we call them John Brown. But for the most part, it's a war and you got to train your kids to take it, to take it. Now, you know, I talk about families a lot once uh, for a few reasons. One of them being, you know, my kids will eat your kids lunch, right? So I have 10, six and an eight year old and pretty much in all things, they are superior than I was at 10, six and eight. And it's because they have an intact family within, and, a, and a father who knows his game. So I feel bad for people who aren't in my family. And that's why I try to give so much wisdom at, you know, Monday and Thursday, just because I know that, like, my kids are going to eat your kids' lunch. Like, they, they know too much. They're too good at too many different things that are important in this world because I drill them on too many on the good things that are important in this world. Uh, so I'm raising killers and I don't want them to have to feed on black kids. I want them to feed on the whites. I want them to feed for the sake of, and then like bring, bring the food back to, back to black communities. Um, so this idea that it's kind of a benign or a, a harmless facet of black life that we have to teach our kids how to negotiate white, like the fact of black degradation, even if your kids themselves are not degraded, how do they think about black degradation that they see? Because look, anytime you walk into a room, it's a elite room and you are the only black person there and you know, except for like the, the staff and you know that there are poor black people everywhere else. Every time you walk into that kind of room, either you're gonna go two place. What did America do to black people? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Or, well, I guess this is just the way it is and it shook out naturally and this is just how it, how it belongs. It's only one, those are the only two thoughts that can actually come and that'll help you make sense of the situation. Either black people deserved it because they're deficient in a way or America did something to that people so that they aren't in this room and, and talking tough in the numbers that they should be. There's no way around it. So how are you going to take, and if, and if America did something to them, that means America needs to be made, like, needs to be tasked with making them whole, right? 
So if you're not teaching your kids that, you're just teaching low-key eugenics, and I think a lot of Americans are low-key eugenics, or you're teaching black kids to just kind of go along to get along. And I just don't think that's freedom or appropriate. Or it might people say, well, that never works. So I'm saying, well, sometimes it does work. You can you can eke out a life, a comfortable life, um, for yourself, and you might even be able to eke out a comfortable life for your for your family possibly but i don't know if that's the case but as you get wider in your relationships the relationships are going to be more and more frayed because the relationships are going to be held together by justice and what your and your life is comfort and comfort is sustained by assimilating into injustice so you might be able to save yourself by assimilating without fighting you might be able to maybe be able to save your close kin maybe but as you spiral out to church and community and then job relations, at some point in time, you're going to have to treat black people like trash because they're black um, in order to sustain your comfortable life. And if that's untenable, then like I say, you just fight from the beginning and teach your kids to fight. And so, and that's how it works. Right? So I think this is a thing. I think this is a thing that it's not just an isolated couple. I think that more couples than I had realized before have, have fought over this because they have the possibility of raising Jesus, but they don't want to raise Jesus. They don't want to raise John the Baptist. Everybody knows what happened to John the Baptist. He cut his head off. Instead, they want to raise like, you know, a tax collector. They want to raise like a nice accountant. They want to raise someone who's not going to, you know, actually redeem the nation but just kind of survive and if you have an ideology a family ideology a notion of self-determination that's tied to survival mere survival and even comfort it's not obvious that actually caring for black people is the best way to go and that's what they're going to teach their kids and i just don't think that that's what you should teach your kids or i think it should be a very 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 vibrant conversation and I just think a lot of people, it turns out, are going to be fighting over this or do fight about this. And I think it raises marriage. Because if you're trying to raise a killer and the other person's trying to raise an accommodationist, that's going to be a mutually exclusive aspiration for your children. You, the, the kids are going to get two different messages. I'm pro-killer. <laughs> um, but I see the virtue on the other side. I, like, and like I said, this is something that my parents themselves fought over because my dad wanted to raise me and my sisters to be killers. And then my mom got freaked out about that and just decided that, like, that's not the safe way to go. And that, you know, honestly, to a lot of liberals, real parenting looks like abuse. And, uh, but now that, now, now that I ritually abuse my own kids, I realize that, like, oh, no, this is just what, like, raising a fighter looks like. And, and my kids are fighters. And they're good. And like I said, I just don't want them to have to snack on you. <laughs> um, and I, so I, this is why... I want all black parents to raise fighters. All right. Thank you for your time. I appreciate, um, you know, you coming to listen to my wisdom every Monday and Thursday. And I think you should, you know, give the show to your friends and then talk about it and figure out where I went right and where I went wrong. But I do know that this is a point of contention in no small number of black and it turns out even white households, if it turns out that like one of the, one of the whites isn't on the same script. 
but this is the small amount, this is no small amount of contention. Are we going to raise our kids to be killers or are we going to raise our kids to be comfortable? Um, and even if that comfort means participating and supporting other varieties of injustice, quiet and comfortable. All right, take care. I will see you on Thursday talking about something completely different. <laughs>